This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find, and also a sister is here. Hi! <laughs> For this episode of Bibliovile, Nick read Courting Darkness, Michelle read Shaded Vision, and I read Shadow Rising, all by Yasmin Gallinorn. It's another world episode! Woo! Welcome to Bibliovile Otherworld Edition. My name is Mick Dickinson. I'm Susan Dickinson. And I'm Michelle Johnson. We're all here. It's another world episode, and you know what that means. We each read a book in the series of Yasmin Gallinorn's Otherworld novels. Uh, we continue on our trek to finish the gigantic series. Uh, one of us reading each of the... Uh, what's their name? The Artigo sisters. Uh, I read the Camille books. Susan. I read the Manali books. And I read the Delilah books, and we said them out of order. We yes. did, sorry. So, whatever, figure it out. Uh, you've probably heard this before. Uh, as a reminder, uh, Camille, the Moon Witch, Delilah, the Shifting Panther, and Manali, the Vampire, in a book uh, series just crowded with all sorts of fantasy creatures. I don't think I've seen a repeat fantasy creature yet, uh, I'm, which makes it very much fun. But let's hop into it since we always uh, take a little bit longer, since we got three books to go over. I had Courting Darkness, the Camille book, and uh, uh, we picked this book, everyone, or this book series because it was, let's face it, a little bit dumb and a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. and, and very bonkers. And very bonkers, and it gets a lot of crazy uh, very, very quickly. Where's my notepad? We have right left here. literally everything. And, and we just found all of them. I was sitting on all of them. Yeah, so <laughs> it's Sue's fault. Um, we picked this book series because it's kind of a lot of dumb fun, uh, and uh, that kind of fell out the window this uh oh this good time. i wasn't the only one yeah we we are yeah. definitely into uh, uh uh what you might call like act two or something where we just have tons of problems and things are going very wrong uh but i noticed from my book that although it might be no longer kind of dumb fun like b movie bad but also really hilarious and bonkers and fun i keep saying that uh, it was a not that fun, good book. I thought that it, this was like an actually good book this time. Mm -hmm. uh, the plot of my book, I'm going to skip over a pretty major plot point without much detail because it's uh, not fun at all. So Camille, the Moon Mistress, uh, in previous books, if you listen to the episode, uh, had semi-non-consensual sex with a person in the coterie of uh, Bibliovile, or no, no, Otherworld. Uh, supporting characters. Um, was that Van Zier? Van Zier, yeah. yeah. He got into a thing and he's kind of a demon or whatever. So not good. Uh, and so it starts off with that kind of blowing up in their faces, which I, I do enjoy from the other world is that like things have consequences, yep. which is always nice. And they carry things with them. And I feel like that's something that is missing from every single other book we read for this podcast. Like for so many of the books that we pick out for Bibliovile, there are no consequences and nothing matters. Things just sort of happen and then we forget about them. Yeah. Like the last book I read, the uh, the vampire book, Yeah, um, she gets her arm chopped off and it just grows back and it's fine and it's yeah. normal. And there's, like, no problems up there. Not so in Otherworld. Not so in Otherworld. There's a lot of problems and a lot of scars that are being carried by these ladies. And in, in the fiction of the books, it's been less than a year since we've started. And stuff has gone down for these women. Yep. Uh, it just keeps piling up, too, is the is the part. There's, no like, no room to breathe. So this time there's the fallout from the previous book. And uh, Camille's three husbands are going to probably kill this guy when they find out. So that's a lot of issue. 
but uh, Smokey the dragon is especially the maddest because uh, he's the most territorial of her three husbands, Morio and Trillian, uh, being the other ones. Uh, and so there's a big fight about he might kill Van Zier and he sends Camille away because he doesn't want her to see him being mad. He doesn't blame her or anything like that. So there's none of that, which is good. Um, but while she's gone, she gets captured and taken away by Smokey's dad, uh, Hioto, a, an ancient ice dragon. He takes her away to a cave uh, as captive and proceeds to... Uh, sexually assault her numerous times and we get to read all about it and it's a lot of fun and then camille uh that was sarcastic and camille escapes gets back home and then the book continues with her very well done carrying the scars and problems that this would cause and turning to friends and family for support but not being able to just flip a switch and be better that Uh, continues all the way through my book too like that's michelle was out of theme in yours too yeah yeah uh it was when once she starts escaping, we get into like pretty great uh, avenging angel territory, where instead of being uh, she's terrified and uh, horrifically uh, affected by this event, as anybody would be, mm-hmm. but she really moves into avenging angel mode, which I really like to see, where it's like I'm going to take down everyone that like <laughs> yeah. ever hurts anyone, <laughs> and so that was, that was really great. Um, Sounds like a meal. That's yeah. one thing that I like about these is that, like, when things happen to these women, they don't go into, like, damsel in distress mode. They go into, like, I'm, like, they go into, like, battle axe mode and they're, like, dealing with things because things have consequences, but they're also, like, they, like, throw themselves into protecting other people and, like, their family and, like. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the, the thing I love the most about the Otherworld books is the hominess of it, where you really get that sense of, like, coming home out home out of the cold into a very warm mm-hmm. full cozy house and it, it, like turning to the people around them for support uh really is done really well so good job miss galinar um yeah so she escapes from hyoto they later use Smokey's mom we meet Smokey's mom in this book uh she's very prim and proper and uh, uh takes to camille very nicely which is uh good because there's been a lot of hatred towards everyone you know dating interracially mm-hmm. um <laughs> And they, they take down Hyoto and take him back to the Dragonlands, where he is executed for his crime. So we get some comeuppance, which is which is good. Um, one really cool thing I saw out of this, uh, along with dealing with the effects of all sorts of stuff, uh, was the phrase, scar tissue is stronger than flesh. And so she's going to come oh, out of I this. Oh, I like that. Yeah, which is uh, uh, good. So scar tissue is stronger than flesh. Camille is going to come out of this uh, hurt and affected and uh, changed forever, but all the more is going to come out of it stronger, which is uh, good to see. Uh, some pieces of this weren't uh, Yasmin Gallinorn fun and cool, but there was a lot of Stephen King in this one, I felt like. Um, where they chase, uh, gets captured by this portal and go, gets stuck on the astral plane, chase the cop, uh, gets stuck with on the, the astral plane. Chases the on the case. Yeah, with the, uh, uh, gets stuck on the astral plane, which uh, is explained uh, thusly, which, uh, they, they go to get him. Uh, she says, the mist rolled thick here. Uh, Camille is now in the astral plane. And I caught my breath before I remembered I didn't have to breathe. The astral realm was one of those places that you couldn't think 
uh, too hard about because the conundrums would drive you crazy if you tried to reason them out. <laughs> so I really like that Yasmin Galnorn's like, ah, don't worry about it. It's the astral plane. Just, it's a weird place. It's a weird place. Just deal with it. That's how I feel like she addresses the Ionic Seas. Like, <laughs> it, it's never explained. Like, they have this, like, magical travel ability to get from place to place very quickly, but only certain characters can use it. And she's just kind of like, it's there. It's fine. Yeah. I don't think about it too much. It, the only thing you hear about it, it is that it's like kind of unpleasant. It's yeah. very cold and tiring. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they go to chase case wait, no, chase chase through the astral plane, and in order to get to where he is, they have to go to these like two different little pocket realms. One of which uh, they accidentally let a creature called the Bog Eater escape, and Ew. they fight a gigantic merman uh, who Smokey turns into a dragon to fight off. But uh. uh they finally find Chase. They have to go through this weird sort of fake uh, meadow where, like, the snow isn't cold and everything looks very 2D. And it turns out that the one cottage that's there is shifting and it looks weird. And they're like, oh, I feel like I'm tripping because everything's constantly moving. And they find out that the entire house is made out of bugs. Ugh. And out of this house made out of bugs, uh, it starts swarming towards them. And, a, and a, uh, like, a woman with six arms comes out of them and... Uh, it turns out there's an illusion on her because she's got like an exoskeleton, so she, she's like spidery underneath this illusion, and she captures Camille and starts trying to weave her up or weave her up in a web until uh, everyone can kind of get her off and everything. And so that was very uh, Stephen King, like yeah. this weird spider monster that's just kind of there and has like a tantalizing song. And so Chase had escaped from her. They find Chase. They come back and. The, the spider lady's nowhere to be found. They killed her, so that's that's good. Uh, got Chase back, and he's beginning to change a little bit. He's got magic in his aura, uh, mm-hmm. thanks to the elixir of life from previous things. Anyway, so they kill Yodo. They get uh, uh, Chase back. All in all, this doesn't advance a lot of the big plot, which is different from most Camille books. Yeah. Most Camille books like introduce the next phase in the big plot, and then your two books address the, the big plot uh, in small chunks. Uh, this one was practically, what do they call it, like a suitcase episode or a bottle episode yeah. mm-hmm. uh, where it's like very one plot focused and it doesn't have a lot of uh, effects coming in or coming out of it. Hmm. Uh, That's really funny because mine is normally very small plot, but this one was almost entirely big plot. Yeah. Yours too? Mine is usually a mix because usually <clears> something <throat> goes terribly. Mine's like, on one hand, Delilah has stuff going on, but on the other hand, the, like the big the big plot that was activated mm-hmm. in Camille's book, like they're mm-hmm. learning things about it. So I usually have sort of the middle <clears throat> yeah. of yeah. the story, and this time I definitely had the beginning of the story, but then also the middle. So. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we do not get any kitchen uh, strategy sessions in this one. Uh, mostly, they're just sitting around waiting for the hero to come back so they can kill him and. All kinds of stuff. But I do want to not end my time without reading some of the funnest or most fun uh, highlights that I took. Uh, always fun to just kind of like drop in on Otherworld's pre-plot. At least it wasn't Loki this time. The Norse giant had brought unnatural amounts of ice and snow with him a year ago until we dispatched his servant, a vampire named Dredge. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that that just pops up like that all the time. Uh, as Smokey, Iris, Rosuriel, and I had struggled, get out of here, through the woods, ranging higher and higher towards the lair of Howl, the elemental wolf lord of the snow, more than once I thought, sure, we'd end up as popsicles frozen to the rocks. That's so. my favorite when they drop in these characters with insane names, and then you're just like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so between our last session and this session, there was an Iris book. Yes. Where she was cursed, and she got rid of the curse, uh, we find out in this book, because we didn't read the Iris book. 
uh, by going to the Northlands, and she got engaged to her leprechaun. Bruce. 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 Uh, and we find out in Camille's book she's pregnant. Yay! Yay! And if I remember correctly, your book has a bachelorette party that goes very wrong, <laughs> which I'm very excited to hear again about. Uh, last one. As we threaded our way out of the bar, it occurred to me that with our luck, Santa would come riding into town with a sawed-off <laughs> shotgun. Considering that I met the Holly King when I was a young girl, it wouldn't surprise me a bit. He was a terrifying figure, and it never failed to awe me just whom the FBHs would invite down their chimneys without asking for references. So that's uh, Otherworld canon, that Santa's real, and she's met him. Uh, and, and also he's real creepy. And also he's real creepy. I forgot about this. I'm just going to do this real quick, because I don't think it applies to either of the big or small plots. There's a demon at the, the Wayfarer bar, and they try to get him out of there because he's just delivering a message without alerting the, the people in the... Because he's like 12 foot tall, so the people in Seattle... So Camille's going to disguise him, and she accidentally turns him into a dog. Oh, no. And so he's like this tiny little Yorkshire Terrier, and he was this 12-foot scary demon, but he can still talk, and so this dog, this <laughs> little dog's like, what have you done? This is so insulting. And then the dragon just picks him up and carries him out. That's the kind of stuff that I love so much about this series. Like, yeah. of course that happened. So all in all, a uh, serious, but actually, like, legitimately well done, I thought, uh, book... Uh, about serious topics that still managed to sneak in some of that other world charm. So yeah, that was Courting Darkness. Cool. Man. Um, so for book two, Shaded Vision. Which we have heard about on this podcast before. Yes. But to be completely honest, I've forgotten a lot of it. Yes. You know what I hadn't forgotten when I started reading the book was the bachelorette party scene that <laughs> Mick has already mentioned. So at the begin the this book begins with Iris's bachelorette party. Um, which is happening at at a club called the Demented Zombie. Naturally. Um, and apparently it's a it's it's a club, but also they will let you sing karaoke if you are the Dardigo sisters, I guess. I don't know. Um uh, so they, they're getting ready to go to Iris's Bachelorette party, um, and there's like of course a quick rundown of what everyone's wearing. Um and there's one that I really super wanted to call out because it's Manali's uh, explanation of what she's wearing. So Manali's coppery cornrows shimmered Ugh. under the lights. Yeah, I hate I hate that she has cornrows. <laughs> um, and she was dressed in blue, tight jeans, and a denim jacket over a rust-colored turtleneck. Her boots were even made of denim, and they sported a thin stiletto spikes. She's wearing a complete Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, Canadian tuxedo right there. <laughs> this is like the super glam vampire who's wearing a, a Canadian tuxedo complete with high-heeled denim boots. That's like, so it's good. Insane. I can't even imagine how denim boots would work. <laughs> I mean, you just you just make you just make boots make and then you cover them with denim. <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, so uh, the. If you if you want to hear Mick's gleeful recounting of the bachelorette party, uh, you can go listen to the Otherworld episode that I'm sure he's just found and will include in the show notes. It is episode 20. Yes, uh, I highly recommend it. A bone ball um, named Rodney, because this is the first time we met Rodney. Right. I'll give you the, the quick highlights. Uh, they, they go to the club. Iris is pregnant, so she has an orange juice. Everyone else gets <laughs> real drunk. Um, they sing We Are Family in karaoke style. Uh, and then there's the stripper who shows up, and Delilah, while watching the stripper, realizes that his G-string has fringe, and she gets very distracted, turns into a cat, and tears it off of him. <laughs> no, I At forgot point, about <laughs> At this point, Iris's morning sickness kicks in and she proceeds to vomit on the stripper, who is naked. <laughs> it was a great oh, old time. No, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, so, so they all pile back into the car and go home. Uh, and they 
come home to all of the all of the gentlemen who have been hanging oh, yeah. out at the house. So when I read this, we hadn't like throughout this phase of the project, we have met each person in turn. Right. For example, the first book we meet Smokey. Trillian is an existing character, but we meet Smokey for the first time. Later on, we meet Shade and Bruce. And, but this is my first book, and so they're coming home, and it's just like all of the men were there. <laughs> There's thirty of them. <laughs> So, so uh, as they're leaving, actually, Delilah takes a look and thinks to herself, man, what are these folks going to get into? And she says, they looked innocent enough, but the amount of trouble an incubus, a demon, a leprechaun, a dragon, an FBH, full-blooded human, one of the dark fae, and a half-dragon, half-shadow walker could get into boggled my mind. So speaking of, like, nobody is the same thing ever. I think that was one of my major quotes. I love that so much, because I didn't know who any of these people were. No, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Oh, by the way, we finally figured out what a shadow walker was in Camille's book, because it's just like, here's this thing. I don't know what it is. It's like a form of energy. It's not even like a thing. So the, the shadow walker was... Shade's dad and the dragon was Shade's mom. Oh, okay. So he was hatched out of an egg, as was Smokey. Naturally. Um, I'm almost done with this bachelor party, but it was the most fun part of the book, so I'm going to hold on to it for <laughs> another second. So um, the last thing that happens, at, so they get home, um, the the guys are all playing poker, or like X, some of them are playing poker, some of them are playing Xbox. Shade and Smokey are literally sitting on the roof throwing rocks at things, which is like... <laughs> they all got drunk. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, the only one who's not drunk is Trillian, who's who's hanging out in the kitchen, having had two brandies, <laughs> treating himself to two brandies, reading a book. Like, that's what he's doing. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Naturally. Um, but so uh, they come home, and they're telling the story of the bachelorette party, and at one point... Smokey leaned forward, his eyes whirling. You watched another man remove his clothing for entertainment? He glared at Camille. Chill out. Iris threw up on him and that totally killed the mood. (laughs) (laughs) If I remember correctly, isn't Camille's hangover like a major plot point that she's fighting all these uh, everythings? Well, all of their hangovers are a fairly major (laughs) plot And also they are epic. Um, so, uh, So what happens is they get home, they... They settle in, and then they get a phone call from, uh, from the police station, essentially yeah. the like, the phased police station, and it says they blew up the community hall. We have to go take care of it. So they go. The community hall is on fire, and uh, there are there are five people who have died and two who have been critically injured and are like in the ICU mm-hmm. essentially magical ICU. Um, it's uh, we actually visit it later. It's very similar to a normal ICU, um, <laughs> except with potions, right? But with potions. Uh, so the so what's happened is that someone has blown up the the soup community hall. So like the place where all of the all of the various individual magical people as are supernatural, not yeah, like broth, yes, um, or <laughs> yeah, supernatural. So the supernatural community hall has been bro- has been blown up. Um, and that's kind of the big plot that we get to advance in this Mm -hmm. book. That's the figuring out who did it. And then, um, also trying to deal with them after we figured out who it is, is the major big part of this book. And the thing about, I don't know about your books, but the thing about Delilah books for sure is that they are almost always composed of many small scenes of investigation. So it's like, we need to go do this. We need to go do this. We need to go do this. Yeah. The thing about this, however, the thing about this book, however, is that these scenes are interspersed with the fact that the day after... Iris's bachelorette party is, in fact, also Iris's, Iris's wedding. <laughs> they, Why? Did, they did the meanest thing you can do. Why does anyone do that? <laughs> so, so there's all of these investigation scenes. So they go, they they check out the explosion site, 
and then they come home for a little bit and do a kitchen planning session. And then in the morning, they say, like, okay, Iris's wedding is in the evening because Manali needs to be able to yeah. go. So uh, we have the whole day to do all this investigation. So then they spend the whole day doing this investigation interspersed with stopping at a lingerie shop to get Iris's wedding present, which is, like, <laughs> oh, <no>. a teddy. <laughs> um, also... Uh, there, the, the, the organization scene in the kitchen, uh, during that scene, uh, there's this whole moment where they collect all this money from everybody who's living in the house, all these like 30 people who live yeah. in this house that they have to buy groceries for. Um, and they collect money from everybody and everybody chips in and it's very like camaraderie building. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about like, yeah, like we're okay on money cause we don't have a mortgage or anything, but like we still have to buy groceries for like 85 80 people. people. Yeah. <laughs> All of them eat an enormous amount of food they all do. the time. Um, and it's then, insane. So they're talking about how they, oh yeah, we're like a little tight on money this week. And then they get all this money and it's fine. But then they go, they go to the lingerie shop and buy like, uh, Delilah just buys four bras on a whim. And I was like, that's not how that happens. Like I have, <laughs> no. I have been in a lingerie store before. You don't just buy four because, and then complain that you don't have any money. <laughs> um, so yeah, they go pick up that. They also go pick up Iris's wedding cake. Um, uh, so so this is all interspersed with the investigations that they're doing to try to figure out who blew up the soup community hall. Um, they end up discovering that the people who did it were Van and JC, the sorcerers from the last Delilah book. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The people who are making the wolf briar. Mm-hmm. And they're also working with another necromancer named Telazar and a crazy demon called the Lord of Ghosts. Yep. Gulaka. Gulak. Or whatever. Gulak or Gulaka. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's an H at the end. <laughs> I remember because it was weird. Gulak. Yes. Gulak. It's like a, what's the Star Trek guy? Klingons. Ugh. Yes. Um, so they, they finally figure out that it's these folks who are, who are behind the explosion for sure. And they decide to go take care of them because they also discover that, uh, someone has a spirit seal, someone associated with these people. Oh, yeah. So they a gotta go get it. Seal. So they go to, they go to the energy exchange. They have a big fight with Van. They've already kept, cap- they captured JC. They also at one point go to fight two necromancers in a cemetery. And I was like, that's not smart. Yo, I am not a professional, whatever you <laughs> are, but fighting spider. necromancers in a, in a cemetery seems bad. Yeah. That seems like a not good oh, yeah, idea. This, this is when they, uh, Camille and Morio hold hands and kill a bunch of stuff yes, at once. That's always they, nice. They for sure do. Um, so then they go then they go to the energy exchange, they have a fight with Van, they have a fight with Telazar, and then Telazar opens a demon portal and summons, summons Glock. Mm-hmm. And uh they get away with the spirit seal. The <gasps> bad guys do. They have yeah. so now they have two. Um and that's pretty much the big plot of the story. That's, that's one thing that I like about this book, and I think it only works because series. there's so many books in this series, is that, like... They win. Sometimes. sometimes the bad guys win. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have to figure out how to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the small plot of the book is that they're sort of dealing with the discrimination against... Essentially against Faye, against... Mm-hmm shifters against vampires and all of that stuff. There's a lot mm-hmm. of um, protests, especially after the community hall was blown up. There's a lot of protests and violence. Um, at one point, uh, uh, Delilah's car gets like spray painted on mm-hmm. and she decides to paint it red because it was red. And she's like, oh, I like this color. <laughs> that was weird. Um, uh, and uh, and also there's a guy named Andy Gambit, Ugh. who's a horrible man. Um, he writes for the Seattle Tattler, and I quote, a rag is yellow as a daffodil, which is not something that I feel like most people would say. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, but he essentially gets gets found out to be a serial rapist. So that was a real, a real weird piece. Um, who specifically yeah. sort of targets Faye. Faye. Yeah. Um, so that was real weird and gross. Uh, and then there's also um, a certain amount of sort of banding together on the side of the soups and the vampires and the Fae from Otherworld even sign mm. on. Mm-hmm. And and then also the United World's Church. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yo, we want to join your team also, please. Thanks. Yeah, All dragons right. are a part of the team since Camille married Smokey. I forgot right. to say that. Dragons um, in on their side, which is a pretty good ally to have, I would say. Yes, I would agree. Uh, so the last thing, the last couple of things that I'll say, um, one thing I learned during all of the investigations, and this is true from previous books as well, um, everyone keeps appointment books. That's just they a thing. They do. They all keep appointment books. Like, that's where they write all of their appointments down, clearly. Um, I, I also wanted to call out that, um... I, I realized during this book that I don't really know anything about Lysanthra, the knife that like talks, yeah, other than yeah. that the knife sings and likes to eat blood. Um, and I also don't remember when Shamas, the sorcerer, showed up. Uh, in this book, he comes out as a sorcerer. She, yep. He, he. Shamas. Sh- who's I thought the it was Seamus. Yeah, I thought it was Seamus. Maybe Shamus. a Seamus. Yeah. I, I, who's the medic then that's dating Chase now? Uh, that's Shara. 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 Sorry. Mm-hmm. So, Seamus... Is yes. their cousin, and yep. he comes out as a sorcerer in yep. this book. Um, oh, and then also we learn what's happening with Chase, which is that he has enough elf in his background to mean that he is going to have like more magical powers. And yeah. we learn this by going to visit Queen Asteria. Nice. Yeah, that's like the book. I don't know. What questions do you have? Um, does do Chase and Shara? When do Chase and Shara find out that they are pregnant? Not in this book. Oh. Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, apparently in between your book and my book, they find out they're pregnant oh. because it is just addressed as like a thing that we all know about that is happening. Yeah, I don't, I mean, maybe it was one of the like rush of things that oh, could have yeah. been announced at the end. Um, Shade yeah. also proposes to Delilah in this yeah. book. There's, I think like the next couple books are going to include a lot of weddings mm. because yours was like Iris and Bruce's wedding. And then mine was a lot about Manali and Nerissa's wedding. Yeah. Um, and so, like, similar to yours, there was a lot of, like, wedding planning interspersed with all of the investigation and fighting. And so, like, they, like, come home from this big battle scene and Nerissa has gone and gotten, like, her wedding dress and Manali's wedding clothes and is, like, showing them off and mad that Manali, like, cannot concentrate on the wedding planning. <laughs> and so, like, that's, like a like, a big, like, subplot of this one is, like... They're, they're bickering about planning their wedding because Nerissa doesn't think Manali cares because she, like, isn't that involved in planning the wedding. And so, like, all of, like... There's and also the, is a vampire. The Lord of the <laughs> Ghosts and Telazar the Necromancer and all this stuff happening. And then, like, they're fighting about wedding planning. That's what I always love about Otherworld, in addition to all the craziness, is how grounded it is. Yeah. For example, when... Uh, Someone has to stay over at Smokey's lair, or yeah. whatever you want to call it. He's like, well, I guess I will sleep on the couch. <laughs> like, <laughs> like The, the dragon dragon's lair, lair has a couch. Has a couch that he sleeps on. Um, as far as plot points for my book, uh, Shadow Rising. So we actually start in Otherworld. The sisters go to Otherworld to meet with Queen Asteria. And she tells them that Telazar is back in Otherworld. Um, and so they're kind of like brainstorming about what they're going to do about that. And then they also visit... And I can never remember how to pronounce that. Yelestrial? Yelestrial. Yelestrial. And they make a truce with their father because apparently he had, like, disowned Camille for marrying Smokey. Trillian. 
Trillian for marrying one of them. And then she pledged with the knight court on on Earth instead of the court and crown in Otherworld. And so they were mad at each other, but now they've made a truce. Um, And then like back Earth side, there's been some weird spirit activity across the Pacific Northwest. Um, So some of the witches covens and a lot of the soups have like really low energy and their magic is fading. And there's also really high like ghost and demon activity in the Greenbelt Park District. And so they enlist the help of Carter, who's this like ancient demon, and Charlatine, who's a powerful vampire who is also a sorceress, and then all of their normal cast of characters. Um, There's also this little part in the middle where their home gets invaded by these spirits called Will-o'-the-Wisps that are kind of like magical dragonflies. And so there's this conflict where like Camille during the daytime goes and gets Aval, who's the queen of the night, to come help with the -the Will-o'-the-Wisps. And then Manali wakes up in the nighttime and finds that this is all happening. And so she goes and gets Ivana Krask, who's one of the elder fae, to come and help. And they don't consult each other. With this, and so like they both show up with this like powerful magical person that they have brought to the house to come help them, and these two hate each other and have sworn that the next time they see each other, they're gonna kill each other. And so there's just like mass chaos, and then all of a sudden, all these will of the wisps, there's like hundreds of them get into the house. (laughs) And so it's just this really fun scene of complete chaos where these two like Aval and Ivana are both trying to suck up as many of these Will-o'-the-Wisps as possible to, like, prove that they're better than the other one. Was this a sitcom? (laughs) It was so ridiculous, and it was really funny. And then they eventually call a truce, and they decide that they're not going to try to kill each other until after they've helped the Diardigo sisters with the big (laughs) demon problem. They're really... The Diardigo sisters are really the... uh, the, They pull people together. They really do. Um, So eventually we find out... Carter helps us find out that the spirits that are draining all of this magical energy are called the Bouts, and they are the ones that are controlled by Gulak. Um, And so they all decide that they need to find Gulak, and they need to close the portal that's letting all of these spirits through. Um, And then in the meantime, so in the last Manali book, Morio gets really injured, and in order to bring him back to life, there's something Manali about like Manali had to give him blood. Yeah, Manali yeah, had to give he, him yeah. blood. He's been in a wheelchair for like the past three books. And he's out of the wheelchair, but now they have this weird connection. And so they're like really drawn to each other and it's causing problems between Morio and Camille. Like sexual tension. Yeah. And Manali asks Roman, who she's his official consort. He's this like ancient vampire lord. And she asks him if there's a way that she can break this connection with Morio. And he says, yes, there is. But... Like, it's the only way to break the connection with Morio is for her to get new blood. So, like, for her to feed from Roman. So, basically, he resires her and, like, breaks the connection with Morio, but it forges a connection between her and Roman that, like, makes her part of his vampire family. And then she gets to meet his mom, who's, like, <laughs> the queen of the vampires, and her name Things is Bloodwine. Of course it is. Things have been going hot and heavy lately. You know who we should get involved? My mom. <laughs> um... So then there's the big battle scene. They close the portal, but they don't defeat Gulaka. Oh. And there's the Gulak, however you say it. Um, and then Charlatine, the vampire sorceress, like sacrifices herself to let the rest of the team get away. And so that's our like big battle at the end. So we've Gotta closed the portal. The soups aren't like being sucked of their magical energy anymore, but Gulak is still alive at large. and kicking. Yeah. Um, and then we end with the wedding scene, Marissa, Nerissa, and Manali get married in Yelestriel, um, in the nighttime, of course. 
Um, and, and we end with their like wedding scene and it's supposed to be this, like, we end on this like tinge of hope, like all these things are happening, but there's still like love in the world and whatever. Um, does Camille, uh, officiate? No, their dad officiates, actually. Oh. Yeah, it's very nice. What a change yeah. of hope. Which is also good because he has had a really hard time, like, connecting with Manali since she became a vampire. Because he always really hated vampires. So it was a nice moment. Um, Some... Camille did officiate Iris as well. Yeah. I like that. That's nice. Um, some other things that were nice, there's this one scene in the middle where, like, there's actually a night where not much is happening. And so they're all just, like, hanging out at the house playing board games and, like, drinking tea and just, like, spending time with each other. And so it was the, like, the normal kitchen table planning session, except they were just, like, hanging out. And it was really nice. Um, there were also... Like, sometimes Yasmin Galanorn will throw in these, like, in the exposition, these things that you're like, oh, that's really nice, and I like that. Um, examples of these. Uh, this is a quote from the beginning of the book, and I think she is talking about, she's referencing uh, Camille's situation with Hiyoto. And she says, traumas like that change you forever, but it doesn't mean you can't find happiness or grow stronger than before. Life had a way of forcing you to either take charge or knuckle under, and neither my sisters nor I were the knuckling kind. Except for the knuckle sandwich. Um, she also says, there's an old Chinese curse and it fits our lives all too well. May you live in interesting times. At least we aren't bored, but sometimes I think boredom would make a nice change of pace. Yeah. Um, Every single time that Camille comes home, she's like, I can't wait to actually sleep in a bed. And yeah. Somebody died. We can go <laughs> No she one. She has to turn right around. And I feel so bad for these people because like they do their things all day and then they also have to stay up all night because it's the only time they get to see Manali. Um, there's also like Carter has recently ended an affair with a gin and he is talking about it and Manali asks if he's sad about the breakup and he says, as a gin, it was a given our tryst would run its course. They are simply not capable of sustaining anything long term except grudges. Which I liked. Uh, Camille has a ghost cat named Misty. Yeah, it was, a it was a Christmas present. It's the only cat in their family that isn't afraid of Manali, and so it will sometimes come and sleep in her lair. And I loved that, too. Uh, the reason that it's so good that it's a ghost cat is it doesn't set off Delilah's territorial instincts. Yep. It doesn't have a smell for her to get all mad. Yeah. And so it's for Camille because Camille's always wanted a cat, but Delilah can't, can't live with one. <laughs> um. Then they also talk about, like, Chase and Delilah and how they used to be together. <clears throat> um, and Manali says, Chase and our sister Delilah had been involved in what was a downward spir spiral of a relationship. Now they were both with other people, both a lot happier, and they'd saved their friendship. And so I think, like, I think this book, these books do a good job of that, too. Like, relationships are complicated and don't always work out, but they, like, sometimes manage to salvage something from them. Um, but I also wanted to spend some time on that good old bonkersness. So here are some descriptions of our characters or of the history of Otherworld. Um, referencing Telazar. Telazar, the ancient necromancer who had led the Scorching Wars up from the southern wastes against the northern oh, yeah, cities. The scorching Wars. Telazar, who had been banished from Otherworld to live with the demons in the subterranean realms. Telazar, whom we had done our best to kill, but who had slipped through our fingers. And now he was here, back in Otherworld. Like, I just love the things they reference but don't explain. What it's are like, the Scorching Wars? I don't know. In the in the Otherworld prequel books, there won't be nearly as good, Bill. It'll be the Scorching Wars. <laughs> it's like Star Wars. The Clone Wars. Um, <clears throat> we also, Lindsay is the director of the Green Goddess Women's Shelter for Battered Women, and she's also the high priestess of an FBH pagan coven of witches. And she has a baby named Fedrika. 
uh, who is named after a unicorn prince that gave her a charm to help her get pregnant. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> um, then when referencing one of our big baddies, a big demon, uh, Manali says, now we could see the spirit in his entirety. He was male, about 50, wearing a top hat and tails and a pair of dress trou- trousers. <laughs> That's their demon. <laughs> um, the Monopoly man. This is not Pascal. This is also how we describe uh, Gulak, the Lord of Ghosts. Shade came running. Shade came rushing out with a blur on his heels. Gulak in full pursuit, nine feet tall, reptilian in nature. The Lord of Ghosts towered over everyone around him. Weaving tentacles emerged from his head to dart this way and that like horrendous living dreadlocks. Matte black eyes and razor-edged teeth marred the muzzle-like face, and his skin glimmered with a dirty green glow. I like the idea of Shade running away, and that's Shade. <laughs> <laughs> ah! 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 Um, then they're also, like, at the very beginning when they're in Otherworld, they're, like, basically brainstorming with Queen Hysteria and all of her allies and, like, going over what has happened. Um... Let's see. Our operatives in Dansburg heard from another agent the sequestered down in Rala that the sorcerers are uniting again under an ancient necromancer. They did enough research before contacting us to verify that it's Telazar, but since he's keeping himself hidden in the southern waste, there isn't much that Queen Asteria, King Upaladans, or Queen Tanakar can do about it. The t- former two were among the primary triad who had ousted him the first time around. Like, that's all the context we get for the history of this war. Like, it's just, they just drop this in, and it's so good. Um, after the fight with Aval and uh, Ivana, um, they, Aval looks at Camille and says, Camille, be ready. Beltane will come, and the dragons will fly, the gods will rut, and you will ride at the helm of the hunt, and you and your priest will learn what it means to belong to the knight. Ooh. Who's Camille's priest? We don't ever talk about that again. Yeah. Who knows what that means? I'm sure I'll hear about it. um i'm sure you will but that's the kind of bonkers stuff that i love about this series is that it just drops stuff like that in and there it is and we don't get any context or explanation at all it's yasmin's world we're just living in it pretty much Um, reading about it reading about it i think that like in the next couple manali books i think there's going to be some sort of showdown like something's going to happen like i feel like increasingly she becomes less a part of like the family and and, like, less entwined with the family and further from her sisters and, like, more involved with Roman and the vampire community. You know who's not going to like that? Delilah. Yeah. Because you know who doesn't like change? Delilah. Delilah. Which is ironic because she's a changeling. <laughs> um, and then, like, Manali's impulsiveness is causing a lot of problems, too. Like, Camille, it gets really mad at her that, like, you don't, you do things without consulting with us and it causes problems and it puts everybody in danger, especially yourself. And, like... Iris gets really mad at her about that, too, because she thinks that Manali's going to get herself killed. And there's just, like, kind of an increasing rift between Manali and everyone except Roman. Hmm. So I feel like that's going to become a big thing in well, the future Manali books. Well, the future Manali books, I think your next one is Crimson Veil, isn't it? It is. The, the OG. First, the yeah. first one that I read. I'm very I excited to about, return to it now yeah. that I know what's happening. Yeah, think about how much more you're going <laughs> to understand. <laughs> Maybe maybe not that maybe much. Maybe not that much, though, actually. <laughs> um, How many do we have left? I think there's 17 or 18 total. I think there's more than that. I think that she's I mean, banging them how... out as we catch up. It's yeah. Like... How many of the extra ones, though, are like the extra... Like Iris? Yeah, books? like Iris's book or like the, the volumes that are just titled The Men of Otherworld? <laughs> I don't know. 
I would be interested to hear about all the stuff that we don't read. Um, but there's just so many, not even to mention um, the her other books that we could be reading. Ooh, what's my A next lot. one? Ooh, we're, we're up to 21, plus there's some like 18.6, 18.5. So I think there's 21... Like, but for sure them, books. There's a bunch that are expected publication as well. Oh, true. Expected publication 2019, so 2018. So we're up to 19 right now. So next we are going to be reading Haunted Moon, Autumn Whispers, and Crimson Veil. Followed by Flight from Hell, Priestess Dreaming, and... Nope. No. Priestess Dreaming, Panther Prowling, and Darkness Raging. Ooh. Moon Shimmer's Night Magic... No, Moon Shimmer's Harvest Song and Blood Bonds. Are expected. Are expected. So we might have to drag this out even more so. Well, I mean, we have all of those interstitial books to read, though. So we, we could probably we could probably hold over for, There's for so a couple There's so much other world. It's so great. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to do it. We kind of uh, kicked through these ones quick, but uh, the plot details in a lot of our books are a lot less fun. Also, it's Christmas Eve and we have Mario Kart to play. Yeah, And chili to eat. So we're going to go fill our bellies with chili and Mario our carts. Uh, but that was, that was a lot of fun. You can follow the Bibliovile Twitter because I had to put my personal one on private at Bibliovile. I managed to lock down that. I don't know how I got it. <laughs> um, otherwise like and retweet, smash that like button. Hey folks. Uh, everything like that. Share that. Share this with a friend. The intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. And outro music is whatever Mick decides he wants it to be. If I even decide I want any outro music. Thanks for coming on, Michelle. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's great to be here. I can't Woo-hoo. wait till we do this again. Who would you like to say goodbye to at the end here? Night, Dave. <laughs>